Welcome to this episode of the New Space India podcast, a bi-weekly talk show that exclusively talks about India's space activities. One of the fundamental challenges in the current landscape of the space industry in India is for the past 50 years the companies that have been working with ISRO mainly draw their IP from ISRO itself. These companies were licensed to hold the IPs from ISRO and the investment that these companies were made in infrastructure and in manpower was to acquire the IP and to reproduce it and supply it back to ISRO itself. So in that sense the building blocks of the IP and the fundamental understanding that goes beyond building that IP may not lie with the companies themselves. And this is one of the major drawbacks as to why these companies may not be able to sell their products and services abroad. To simply put, it is almost as if trying to sell a part of an ISRO satellite to somebody else's satellites which may not really fit unless you have the understanding of how to make those changes. The new generation of new space companies in India are trying to move away from this landscape of working with ISRO and trying to build their own IP so that they can have the control over the entire product or the service that they are trying to build and then offer it not just locally but also globally. In this episode of the New Space India podcast I have a prominent investor Mahesh Murthy who has invested in over 65 companies in retail internet and other sectors and has now taken upon a challenge of trying to build a fund as well as companies in the space industry this is also an interesting time where the institutional capital that is required for companies is now starting to mature in india if you look back to the early days of team indus one of the drawbacks during that time almost 10 years ago was possibly that there were almost no institutional investors in india looking at space but now with the emergence of people like mahesh trying to build their own fund which will invest into space there can be a possibility of some of the companies that are in new space landscape in india who can get access to this and try to scale their business ultimately in an ecosystem where there are only entrepreneurs and not enough risk capital available for them the ecosystem might fall apart because there is not enough capital for them to scale their business towards end markets The Indian space ecosystem has all of the elements such as the heritage for the past 50 years experienced scientists who can contribute to the companies founders who have risked their careers and started companies to build space products and services but ultimately if we don't have investors backing some of their vision then the ecosystem will definitely fall apart This is also an interesting episode because we have almost an outsider to the space industry stepping into the space industry and trying to change things Hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome uh, Mahesh to this episode of the New Space India podcast. Hey, thanks uh, NP. It's uh, great to be here. And uh, it's good to catch up with you here in Bangalore of all places. We've been meeting up all over the world. So it's good to be here. And firstly to begin the show, I would like to firstly congratulate you on having flown the first really private satellite into orbit from India. Thanks man. Uh we actually found it hard to believe uh, that we were the very first but it happened our first satellite flew on SpaceX in December not without adventure and we'll probably cover that and also we not just uh, our second flew on ISRO so we we've flown on both these platforms and we're hopeful that in calendar 2019 we'll have a couple more launches 
So let's talk about your background a little bit and how you began your career in advertising, copy editing, you know, moved on to investing, ran a VC fund, and you know, you then have now gotten into space. Tell me, how does this happen? <laughs> I am a walking advertisement uh, for somebody who has never planned a career, right? So uh, I've had, you know, my first, very first job was a door-to-door -door salesman. I failed at that and I tried uh, starting a design firm. I failed at that and became a copywriter. In advertising, I did not fail at that completely. Uh, and kind of Peter Principle took me to a point where I kind of figured there were other things to do. I kind of got into, uh, so then I did some television stuff. I helped launch MTV and I ran Channel V in India. So as my mother sometimes says, uh, I am probably personally responsible for the decline and fall of Indian culture in the last 20, 25 years. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, after that, I started, uh, I, I was in the Valley. Uh, I worked for a Valley-based company. I uh, helped design Amazon and uh, Yahoo and launch both of those. Uh, learned a little bit about marketing and online marketing. I've always been a marketer of sorts. Did all right. Uh, one company went public, the other got acquired. And then I got invited back to India to turn around uh, Channel V and my job was to turn it around and sell it. He sold it in 2000, 2001 to Star TV. And I started investing in startups then mostly as an angel fund. And, and this was really, really, I was probably one of the first few angels in India. 20 odd years ago in 99-2000 and uh, some of those companies have done well. Uh, Career Launcher is public, uh, Geodesic of course went public and imploded. A couple of other companies are still around there uh, 20 years later doing this stuff. You know, so I'm, I'm, I'm happy with that. In 2006 I founded a VC fund with a partner Praveen Gandhi and uh, then another lady Bharti Jacob joined. We did okay, we India's probably first institutionalized VC fund. We raised money from uh, Google. Motorola. I, I remember, I mean, I, I was very naive then. I had this thesis saying, hey, let's go get an internet company. Let's go get a telco. Let's go get a handset company. And we literally walked into Google, Motorola, and Reliance Communications, and all of those guys said, yeah, yeah, here, take a million dollars. <laughs> so when we came out, we realized that we were perhaps the first fund in the world that ever raised money from Google. Uh, it was just uh, uh, in complete naivety we did this. That fund did well. We invested in Redbus, Carvalho, etc. and it returned more than 4x cash on cash. Uh, eventually got to launching the next fund uh, which was much larger. Uh, the first was about 60 odd crores. The second was about five times its size, 320 crores. We had this time more institutional money. We had money from uh, the pension fund, two pension funds in Denmark, one you know, the CDC in the UK, a bunch of other guys, uh, some foundations and we did a bunch of companies. So we did uh, more if the first, if the theme of the first fund was, you know, consumer internet in India, the second one was retail internet. So we did uh, Chumbuk, we did a bunch of other e-tailers, etc. That fund is still on. I remember about four, five years ago, I was sitting with my childhood friend uh, and now partner in my new fund, uh, Ashar Farhan. Farhan and I were together from class 10 onwards, you know, and we used to hang out and we've been in touch ever since because, you know, uh, he used to run a telco business that I used to help a little with and then one of my investor companies acquired his company, etc. So, you know, about five years ago, we were sitting and, and talking uh, about just a couple of guys who had approached him saying that they wanted to do a space company and, you know, they needed help and we really looked at then at investing in that company and we kept meeting them year after year saying, you know, these guys need help, they're not really moving fast, should we invest in them, should we move forward, etc. Uh, I'll come back to that company later, uh, you know them well. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, about two years ago, uh, we got a call from somebody uh, one of the fund of funds saying, hey, guy, you know, also the first two funds which I did were called Seed Fund 1 and Seed Fund 2, and they both, uh, for whatever reason, were awarded India's best VC fund. So, you know, we, we had like uh, 
and this is voted by the investors, by the LPs in the fund. So this LP called and said, hey, uh, we understand you know, you're not bad as a fund manager. Would you like to look at something in electronics? Uh, we are from the government of India. So we basically, the first thing was you know, electronics, which we looked at as a bit of a bugbear. And government of India was the second red warning light. But we said, okay, look, let's, uh, let's look and come back and say if you're really interested in what works out. So I called up Farhan again. And uh, again, you know, Farhan's a bit of an electronic mad genius. You should feature <laughs> him sometime on your show. And, uh, you know, a few thoughts came to mind, which is one, hey, we've been talking about space for a long time. We've been talking about, uh, you know, high-end electronics for a while inside. So why don't we do that? So we went back to them and said, look, these are our themes, space, uh, aerospace electronics, and, you know, um, mo mobile phone-based accessories, which mm. are also electronics. Uh, well, in the goodness of their heart, the, these guys decided they liked it, and they said, okay, if you do a fund, we'll back you, mm -hmm. we'll, you know. And they, they, they put in 20% of the corpus of the fund. Uh, and that was really the start. So at that point, we started going out to others, uh, you know, again in naivete, not knowing that, A, we were going at the brink of a recession, B, we were going out and saying space and India, two things which were really far apart. So if you can imagine how big the 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 Venn diagram of space intersection with India is, it's a tiny inter it was a very tiny intersection two years ago, but we were going out there trying to raise money for it. It was difficult. A lot of people basically said, Hey, I haven't even seen a single private space company come out. What are you talking about? And they were pushing the new space mantra out there. So while we were doing that, I think we came up with this idea saying, you know what, the only way of proving our theories in this entire realm of where new space intersects India is to actually build these companies ourselves. So we've had these uh, old Bhishma Pitama type companies like uh, Godrej and LNT who kind of do outsourcing. They're the infosys of this area or BEL, etc. But really not too many product or IP focused companies. So we said let's start. And uh, the fund was then called, you know, Exceed Fund. And uh, uh, Exceed Fund against it was a bit of a joke because my earlier fund was called Seed Fund and this is called X Seed Fund as in after seed. Right? <laughs> and we were able to get the domain. And uh, and at that point, because the fund looked very iffy, we had no idea if we were getting more uh, you know, more people in the fund. So we just started a company called Exceed Space saying let's build satellites and so on and so forth. And uh, one of the first things we did after setting up the company was to kind of sort of acquire the company that uh, Farhan and I had been meeting for over five years, Dhruva, that you, you, you're intimately aware of. So uh, we kind of acquired Sanjay and a few, you know, the uh, some, uh, I guess, IP into the company and uh, started building a satellite. And it took us a while to figure out how to do this, how to build it. We approached ISRO then for a launch, and they pretty much said, we've never heard of an Indian company coming to us. And it, it was a little bizarre, uh, but ISRO saying, you know, if you give me foreign exchange, I, I may allow you to launch. And I was like, look, I'm an Indian company. You're an Indian company. I mean, how do I give you Forex, et cetera? So anyway, long story short, we, uh, we spoke with SpaceX. They accepted the payload. We flew it over, delivered the payload. They tested. They flew it. It worked and it made a bit of news. So in December last year, we, we launched our first satellite on SpaceX, on Falcon 9 actually. At which point I think ISRO opened up and they're saying, okay, well, you know, why didn't you talk to us? And said, well, we have been talking to you for the yeah. last two years. And they've become a lot more, lot more friendly and cooperative since I think even the tides have turned out here uh, towards more entrepreneurship in space. So we worked with them. Uh, in fact, for the uh, PS4, the stage four launch of the PSL, the stage four, uh, platform of PSLV, we built the first private payload. It's still running, you know, it's loud and clear, it's working well. We still get, you know, email and uh, from all over, or people picking up the signals. 
And also very interestingly, we, we, all, we figured out how to iron out the stuff. So while the first uh, ExitSat 1 took about eight, nine weeks to build, the second one took seven days to build. We were able to, from brief to delivery finish in seven days and hand it over, test it successfully, etc. So I think a lot of the thinking behind this particular company, Exit Space, was again how to build satellites quickly. We do believe w there will be an era where every year there will be tens of thousands of satellites that will be launched. So these satellites need to be made quickly. So we're coming from the world of pretty much like supercomputers to the world of mobile phones, right? Where at one point, I think uh, James Watson of IBM said the world needs only five computers. Well, now, you know, uh, there are probably five billion computers in the form of mobile phones on Earth. We think satellites will probably go through something similar, where once upon a time it took you a year or two to build a satellite. You probably spent somewhere between 50 and $150 million building it and launching it, etc. And we're now coming to a point where we think we can build it within a week or two. Uh, we think we can put it up all told, uh, including launch, etc., for a million dollars or less. That's six, seven crores. Uh, it's about one fiftieth the price it used to be. So we're really coming from the fountain pen era to the point where satellites almost like ballpoint pens. After doing this, actually, Kerala State came in and they've contributed some money to the fund. Uh, a couple of other guys have come in. We are hopeful of announcing the first close of the fund very soon. And the idea of the fund is the fund will invest in primarily space companies or otherwise, you know, high-end electronics companies, high-margin electronics companies. We'll probably be only the second or third fund in the world focused on space. We're the only fund I know of in Asia. There's one I know of in England. There's one that I know is coming up in the U.S. Again, the interesting thing is we're looking to essentially, uh, the aim of the fund is to make the benefits of space accessible and affordable to all. So the idea is really uh, about uh, being able to bring down the cost, bring down the uh, barriers to access, we should be able to launch satellites for sub $1 million, completely useful 3U to 6U satellites for that, that kind of amount. And we've, we've got an idea for how we aim to do this. So I know I'm still droning on, but I'll tell you the, the basic thesis of the fund, uh, the way we internally understand it is, if you see how ISRO has been, or NASA has been, or JAXA has been. They're like full-stack space providers, right? So if you're an Indian government department, you want the benefit of some data from space, you go to ISRO. So ISRO will say, all right, you want an optical payload, or you want a communication payload, we'll build those. You want to put it in a satellite, we'll build that. You need to put that satellite in a rocket, we'll build that. You need to launch that rocket, we will do that. You need to control that rocket from ground, we will do that. You need to get the data from the rocket onto the ground and analyze it, we'll do that. And you need it back at you, we'll do that. So essentially the entire stack is offered. And, and NASA work, worked till recently pretty similar in a similar way, and so did JAXA and other monolithic space companies, or even ESA does. Right. And a lot of what we're looking to do is actually slice that stack into little, you know, into niches. So we believe, for example, in just the optical payload niche, you know, there'll be multiple companies. Uh, we do see the need, for example, of submeter imaging in the 3U form factor. Uh, we do see the need for multispectral imaging in 1 to 3 to 6U form factors. I think that's one company that, uh, you know, th there's two, three companies that need to be set up there. We do see the need for multiple sorts of radio payloads that happen, again, in that small form factor. And not just a small physical form factor, but low power form factor, because if, if you're going to launch it, you know, 1U, you have about you know, if three, four watts to work with. If it's three use your eight, ten watts to work with. So it's about being able to work within the power uh, budget that you have. So that's one. Then you need to build satellites. And we already have a company out there, 
Exceed Space, and we will soon be changing the name of that company because there's a bit of confusion. Which is a fund and which is a which is a satellite company. We will need to build launchers. Uh, well, we'll lo we're looking. There are a few launcher companies out there. Their uh, kind of legal status in India is as yet unclear, as you're probably aware. And once we have a little more clarity, we'll probably see if we can support any of them. Uh, ground station companies. We've already got one of those. Data analytics companies, which look at you know uh, the data from space. Uh, we've already got one of those. We're looking at a second out there. So we're literally looking at breaking up this entire tall stack uh, and into separate uh, companies. The idea being each of these companies goes out into the market, finds a niche of its own, and if needed, can actually collaborate to give a customer the whole whole stack. You know, uh, there they may be some customers who say, look, I already have a payload. Give me a satellite. We can do that. And there may be others who say, well, I need everything. I just need the data. And we can build every part of the rest uh, or, or use the rest. I'm sorry, that was a long mouthful. Yeah. But I hopefully that gives you a, uh, like I said, uh, a how not to do a career lesson for a Tambram uh, guy from uh, from India who refused to even go to college. So I think that's that's probably a warning sign that parents can use this podcast to tell their kids you know, like in that old Shole movie, it was, you know, you said that beta so jao ne to gabbar aega and they said beta padhai karo ne to tum aise ban jaoge. So the fund itself uh, will, uh, what is the size and uh, and the fund will only be able to invest in Indian companies? Uh, well, not really. Uh, so that's good news there too. The fund is currently slated to be somewhere between 350 crores and 450 crores. So in US dollar terms, that's between 50 and I guess uh, 60 million, some, somewhere there about 65 million US dollars. We hope to get the first close at a third of that within a month or so. The constraints we work under are actually are not very onerous. So half the companies have to be based in India. The other half can be anywhere in the world. Uh, with the proviso that the IP for the companies which are registered outside India are co-registered in India. So, which is all right, which is fine. Uh, we anyway think, uh, I think even geopolitically, this is the right time for India to be doing space. I mean, we talk to, you know, uh, customers and potential prospects in Africa or in Southeast Asia. And what we're hearing is stuff like, look, you know, they're uh, basically, I'm not sure I want to go with China. I'm not sure I want to go with uh, the, the US because of political reasons. That kind of leaves Europe, Russia and India Russia, I'm not sure because, you know, I can get some launch services, but I don't know if I can get anything else. Europe, I know this, I can get what I want, but it's pretty expensive. India, I like because it's not going to be expensive, and unlike China, it's not going to be a threat to me, right? So geopolitically, you know, we're in a good place uh, for, for companies around the world to start looking at India as a, uh, as a core for space. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, this is kind of uh, uncharted, unexplored territory in that sense. The fund itself will operate uh, in how many companies are you looking to invest in? And so we're, uh, you know, we, we're kind of aware that we need to actually build this entire ecosystem. You know, unlike in e-com or, you know, your, your regular place, you, you already know, for example, that if you take a company to a particular size, you know, if, if you're a early stage fund, if you're doing, say, for example, pre-Series A, or if you're doing seed, or then you're doing seed, and you're doing Series A, you know who's a Series B guy, and if you're doing Series B, you know who's Series C, and if you're Series C, you know that, you know, there's somebody else who'll come in for Series D, E, F, and at that point, there'll be hedge fund, and at some point, Masayoshi Son may come in, etc. Right? You, so you already know that there is a funnel, that you have some confidence, there's an ecosystem of funders. In space, actually, that isn't there at all. Uh, we're pretty much the first guys out there, so we're 
pretty acutely aware that in some ways we have to build the ecosystem. So hence we understand that we probably need to do two things. We need to be a little cautious because if we put a lot of money into a company where it's not, unable to break even at the end of it, that company is likely to die because we don't know if who's there to give it the next round. So we'd probably be a lot more cash conscious uh, in working with companies that have some demonstrated proof of concept or demonstrated revenues. But the broad idea is to do about, I think, 20, you know, maybe 20 to 30 early stage companies where, you know, probably do really precede angel-like amounts of a crore and a half, two crores, that maybe thereabouts, so, you know, to take it to a point. And then we believe that maybe half of them, maybe 12, 10, 12, 15 of them may probably make it out to a seed round where at that point we're looking at maybe somewhere between, you know, five and 10 crores per company at that point uh, for those who make it. And then as that grows, we, we can also look at doing like a series A kind of a thing with companies where for maybe, you know, eight or nine of those companies, uh, we can probably go as much as even 20, 30, 35 crores or whatever, depending on what the need is. So trying to work literally in all three stages at the 1 to 2 crore stage, at the 5 to 10 crore stage, as well as the 20 to 30 crore stage across uh, across companies. At least that's the theory right now that, that we're working with. I think the couple of things uh, that we think will work in our favor is maybe unlike uh, dot-coms or unlike many other uh, such businesses, here typically when you're working in space, you know, one sale and you're cash positive. Right, because uh, it's high margin. It's uh, uh, it, so at, at least at the early stage, we believe with Indian costs, we should be able to maintain. Uh, you know, one sale in a company in a year could could basically make sure that that company is going to be solvent uh, for for a long time. So we think we have significant uh, uh, you know a moat out there in terms of uh, being the first movers, understanding how it moves in India, figuring out where the suppliers are, where the testers are, where I can get a thermo vacuum pump, where I can do you know testing at 10 to the minus 5 bar, where you know who's doing the microelectronics, who can do the control systems, who can do the visualization, who can do the uh, data analytics and so on and so forth. So I think. Uh, we've got a reasonable bit of understanding of the players out here. And one of the things, again, we've tried to become aware of is the law. In fact, we were a little perplexed to see three or four companies that announced funding to build launchers while we simply know that that's not allowed as yet. So it's crazy that people p have put money into companies which are just not legal, uh, and you know, unless they know that they're going to change the law. So I think uh, we're, we're doing this cautiously where we're, trying to actually have a commercial premise to this. The overall idea is that we do believe India can become a core center for space products and services globally for companies, around, for clients around the world. We have not just a low costs uh, of the back end, but we also have launch facilities. We've built satellites now, private and public. Uh, we built pretty good payloads, and we can integrate the payloads that we don't build. I mean, I think we are pretty good at radio communications. We haven't yet seen great stuff in optical. So we'll probably have to find uh, companies elsewhere to be able to bring those technologies into India. In the investment uh, landscape, uh, do you worry about uh, India not having a space policy or a law? So I actually uh, don't quite mind the laissez-faire place we're in right now, but for three lacunae. We have three issues. One, uh, because we don't have a space policy, launchers are not allowed because we don't have a space policy, it's virtually impossible to be able to get spectrum for you to do Earth-to-space uh, communications. And three, because we don't have a space policy, 
We don't have insurance, uh, you know, uh, clarity on what, what is insured, etc. in India. So these are the three things that I hope a space policy solves. Tell us a little bit about uh, what is the vision for Exceed Space because currently the missions that you have done is not essentially purely commercial place. Sure. So what is the way ahead? Who do you see as your customer? Is it uh, customers in India that you are targeting, you know, customers sure. abroad? So the uh, picture for Exceed Space, which will soon be known by another name, uh, is to be a leading independent satellite manufacturer. Uh, what the, by what I... Uh, what I mean to say there is we believe the world will need constellations of uh, small satellites, nano, micro, whatever you like. And today, essentially, these are being built mostly by the people who own them and operate them. So SpaceX is building its own. I understand Amazon is building its own. Uh, OneWeb is kind of building its own, uh, right? And uh, we think there's going to be a large market of others, you know. Uh, it might be a Vodafone, it might be some other cell carrier, it might be a DTH company, it might be some other communication company, it might be a government department. Other people who need constellations but are not going to build it themselves, right? We believe this is going to be a large market and this is the market we aim to actually serve. Uh, I think the, the satellite company very clearly has a few advantages. One, it's flight proven on both uh, ISRO and SpaceX platforms. Uh, hence, the market is global. So if you want to launch on SpaceX or, you know, SpaceX is a bit of a NASA derived platform on any American platform or on uh, India's ISRO or indeed, in fact, any other, you want to launch an Electron, etc. We should be ready to do that. Uh, the idea is that we believe at some point in time we should be building dozens of satellites, if not hundreds of satellites a year. Uh, last year we built one. This year we've already launched one. We've got three more two, three more, two more coming up, at least this year. Uh, so we hope to actually grow that geometrically o over time. We have an uh, office in uh, Mumbai as well as one in Hyderabad. So that's the picture for, uh, for Exceed Space. Overall, for the companies in the fund, I think uh, the view we see is that unlike uh, investments in dot-com, et cetera, which are completely dependent on getting larger and larger rounds later, we have the additional option of being able to go public soon because we will, we believe, uh, be able to make revenue soon. And the nice thing in the satellite business is, you know, the first satellite you sell, it's five to ten crores in revenue, and that will cover your company for a year. One sale of one, one unit will do that. And if you're selling 50 of them, then you're a very rich guy, right? And a, a constellation will be somewhere between, you know, 75 and 150 of these, uh, typically. We hope to be selling a few of these constellations. So we, we want to be able to scale that on the satellite company side. But we see similar numbers, hopefully coming from our, uh, we are eagerly looking out for people in optical payloads. We already have one company in communication payloads, but we're looking for others. We have uh, some interest in LoRa. We have some interest in millimeter wave. We have some interest in, you know, 60 gigahertz, 6 gigahertz, uh, you know, parts of the spectrum. Uh, we have some interest in uh, more defense and security related aspects, which is we have lots of demand for infrared, uh, uh, lots of demand for uh, being able to make out movements through the foliage and so on and so forth. We, we have significant interest that, that we've seen out there and we're looking to build you know, products and solutions for that. Where we already have companies out there, we're happy to invest in them if we find each other acceptable. And where they're not companies, we're happy to start them and then find entrepreneurs to run them. So in the future, 10 years from now, you know, we're in an ecosystem which is heavily in India, ISRO monopolistic, where every other vendor is around, working around ISRO and tied to that system. So what's your vision that you see 10 years from now? What is the ecosystem like? 
you know, NP if wishes were horses, you know, uh, beggars would ride. I mean, I, I, I don't have the conceit to believe that my views will necessarily change very much. We were talking earlier about the fact that I was hoping the policy that we have is more uh, one that allows enterprise as opposed to restricts it. Uh, and the example I use here is, you know, if you see how the Indian IT uh, and ITES business has grown enormously around the world with your Tata, ZCRs, Infosys, Wipros, etc. It's simply because the policy then allowed it to grow everywhere with some restrictions saying, yeah, no, maybe don't do Pakistan or don't do X, right? I'm a little concerned that we're doing the opposite with space. And the op what seems to be happening with space is, look, if you're building anything in India for any, anybody anywhere in the world, you can only do so with my permission. I need to see your books. I need to see your sales price. I need to see what you sold it for. I need to see who you're paying. Uh, and, you know, these may be well-meaning. I, I, I'm not, uh, but these are essentially, it's the opposite of how I, you know, at one point I believed that uh, the space infrastructure in India can, can grow uh, you know, the space ecosystem can grow literally in size to be, you know, even $100 billion to rival the IT, ITS ecosystem. And I hope the government sees that too and, and has as permissive a policy as opposed to as restrictive, as the restrictive policies they have right now. So rather than say we restrict everything uh, and you have to take a license for everything, I, I hope they come out and say, look, everything's open, everything's okay. But these two or three things are restricted. You know, we don't allow you to sell to Pakistan or to this or that, that apart to what you want, where you want. And that's much easier for all of us to live by as opposed to saying, well, you know, I'm going to build something and the government will then not allow me to license it. So I'm hoping for open and free licensing. And I'm, you know, this is an appeal to the government and to Niti Aayog and to everybody else out there saying, look, this can be a big deal. This can be $100 billion worth of business uh, for the country from all over the world, not just Indian customers. Allow it to grow. Allow it to spread. We have that space-trained manpower in India. You know, uh, IISST alone has, you know, over a thousand grads in India. We've also had, if I look at the people in defense labs in India and Andisro that we have produced over the last 40, 50 years, that's more than 150,000 people. There's a large number of people out here uh, who are space-trained, space-qualified at reasonable salaries compared to what the option might be in Europe or elsewhere. And let's actually allow private enterprise in space to blossom and bloom. That's, you know, that's a request. Uh, my, you know, that of course aligns with my vision, but I'm not anybody to state the vision. I'm not writing policy. This merely is an appeal to the policymakers out there saying, look at this as another IT, ITES revolution that's happening. Open it up and please don't restrict it the way it's currently planned to be restricted. Yeah, I really hope so that they take your word for this. And when you said that uh, the governments have actually invested in the fund, does the government then expect a kind of a return at uh, some point of time? And, you know, would that make this, if the fund uh, invests in companies and, you know, the policy framework is actually not there in place, and because there's some money from the government involved in, uh, in the fund itself, do you think that can catalyze the whole uh, policy making? So I think there are different arms of different governments who are doing different things. So we were... We got an uh, offer of investment from the Electronic Development Fund, which is part of the Ministry of Electronics and Information Technology, which is Métis. We have policy from Department of Space, which is really you know, something else altogether, an entirely different management. We have some more money from one of the states in India. We are hoping that all of this lines up and aligns up, because right now these are different arms of the government who are, who are doing this. Uh, we are also seeing maybe an effort uh, from ISRO to continue to want to be relevant in the future by saying they will be the controlling authority. 
And a lot of, you know, my, my sense is that rather than treat this as telecom, you know, where you have uh, a TRAI, we need a TRAI here, by the way, which is different from the MOT, you know, just like we need a TRAI, uh, you know, uh, we need the SRA, a Space Regulation the Regulatory Authority of India. But we also need to have the freedom to be able to do this. So while, yeah, for the main thing, for example, spectrum is perfectly fine. You can actually, you, to, to get spectrum, which is a national resource, you should take permission. But I don't know what, why else we would require permissions to be able to build satellites or to launch them. Yeah, you don't want this to go to particular enemy countries, you just state, so we won't do that. You know, uh, nobody here is looking to flout the rules. But rather than take permissions every time, it's easier to say, look, I permit everything and I forbid these two or three things. Mm. Rather than I forbid everything and I permit two or three things. I think this is a moment of reckoning where uh, the, the stars are lining up. We have the, the manpower. We have the geopolitical moves globally where, you know, because of whatever China is doing and whatever the U.S. is doing, countries are willing to look at other sources like Europe and, and India. So we have all of these aligned. We have uh, you know, the great work being done by Blue Origin and SpaceX, etc., inspiring children, inspiring colleges all, all over the country, all over the world. It's about the time that we say, all right, look, space is open for business. And that's really what I would like to push. Uh, the Indian government, the Indian authorities, uh, the CII, various committees, uh, everybody at Niti Aayog, to say, be permissive out here. You know, let's don't treat it as something where everything requires a license. So we are looking to get away from the license Raj re regime and not recreate more licenses out here. But that's that's really the request out here saying, so it's not so much a vision, NP. But uh, if if we do believe that space can go a big, big way in India, and I, I for one do that, I, I do believe so, we, and we have a little bit of proof of that uh, already. I, I think we would like to be able to build great businesses in India that service customers all over the world. And for India to be a big hub out here. You know, things may change after after the 2020 election for Trump, you know, uh, whether he comes back or not, uh, the US policy may change, uh, things may change in China. But we have a short, a short window for, for India to really allow, uh, you know, this particular vertical to really grow. Uh, and uh, what can I say? I mean, all the conferences happening in Bangalore today. I was in a in a packed auditorium today with you know 300, 400 students hanging out to every word from Indians and Israeli space scientists. So it, it's good to see that. It's good to see the enthusiasm. But where will they get jobs unless they come into companies that our startups create? Uh, and our startups can create companies when they have enough business from around the world, and they can have enough business from around the world when they're allowed to sell around the world, as opposed to they have to take a license for everything. Uh, you must understand that a license regime for startups is really crippling. Uh, startups don't have the manpower, the uh, size of accounting teams, the size of comp company secretaries and legal teams to go through the set of compliances everybody asks for. You know, essentially what we've been, what we understand the new space policy to say is that we need to keep a separate second set of books for everything that is manufactured with the prices to be disclosed to ISRO, and you know, it's it's kind of crazy. It's like if you're competing against ISRO for a launch, then ISRO needs to know your prices. It doesn't really make sense to me. I mean, I, I would imagine any competition court in the world would kind of say that that's a little, you know, off. But uh, so I don't understand what this is all about. Uh, I, I really hope that uh, wiser minds prevail. And where do you see the exits coming for a lot of these companies? Because, um, you know, at the moment, uh, when you look at even the the larger corporates or even the SMEs that have been working in India with ISRO, they haven't really had any you know public IPOs or things like that. 
so one of the critical things for the um, you know for you to get the money back of course is also have these exits sure so if you're an outsourcing company like an infosys tcs uh, or whatever uh, like many of the other companies in india are so virtually all the guys in india they're not doing any product development they're actually outsourcing you know from isro then you got to reach a really large size to be able to go public because essentially you know you're simply you don't have any ip that you own and hence you're largely your revenue is dependent on number of people you know so like uh, if you have x headcount then your salary is x times something right we are hoping to change all that we are hoping to build ip ip driven companies where we own the ip to the product and we're not simply outsourcing and and offshoring and to be able to sell products at you know international costs or international prices while probably building it at indian costs we hope to have profitable businesses with ip and we believe the market will probably look better upon them so while for example you're a product company you can probably go public at even 20 crores of revenue if you're a services company you'll probably need you know 1000 crores 5000 crores of revenue to go public right so our focus is on building product companies and ip driven companies it's new we don't really have too many ip driven companies in space until this new generation has come up right and uh, so i think that's what we are hoping for we we've, we've seen you know i've been on the advisory board of uh, one of the uh, s- smaller exchanges in india uh, we've seen it's becoming easier to list a friend of mine listed a company a few months ago at 3 crores in revenues and got a 100 crore market cap on listing right uh, with 3 years of age on the big board so it's it's possible to list so we're seeing public markets as one potential exit the second potential exit we see is is from the global aerospace majors because they will look to you know find a back end in india uh, and the two kind of companies they might look at is they might look at for example buying into a services company like many of these companies are but we think that you know for them that's they can actually set it up i mean it's like many people in india set up offshoring companies but ibm came and set up its own deloitte came and set up its own accenture came and set up its own so boeing is already doing its own airbus is doing its own so we don't think that you would see too much mna happening on the services space services sector but we think it'll happen on the space product sector because the companies here will build, be able to build and create products at price points that those companies in europe and the us will not be able to match so they will be able to then sell our products as part of their portfolio our company's products to clients all, all over the world so if you know boeing airbus xyz tally somebody is out there saying that they they can't sell a satellite for less than 5 million us or 10 million us and there's somebody in india who makes them for profitably for a million us well you can either leave the market or you say well i want to get the player in that market so that i can cover you know i don't lose the market so we actually think the you know again this is all theory and this is really but we think uh, we think the chances of exit are higher by building product companies at lower costs than services companies at higher costs yeah and with respect to the services themselves um, there is actually a large uh, part of services in the country that may be needed which are not actually served by isro because most of what isro serves is g2g demand and even the dth market that isro serves is majoritarily like you know outsour- outsourced transponders right so there is also this big services vacuum uh, in the country and that also needs to be filled so i guess there's also potential there again th- that services vacuum is there in analytics it's there in uh, geospatial imaging it's there uh, in specialized location based services it's there in communication services 
the approach that I personally favor is to productize brand uh, and create value as opposed to necessarily just being the back ends of companies. Because if it's just back end, finally some large company will, you know, Tata already does services for space in India, Wipro already does services from space in India, so does Godrej, et cetera, right? And they will now try to get services from outside, you know, uh, outside India to be able to offshore into India. Uh, so, hardware-based services are not as exciting as as IP-based services. So, when I, when I talk about products and services, I essentially mean I mean I don't I don't really mean hardware and software. I essentially mean IP-based uh, offerings and I and uh, what I call SMH, which is sustainable SMP, sustainable based offerings, right? Which are really more services. As in, you know, if uh, if you're a guy in Europe, uh, it's it's uh, eighty. Uh, it's it's whatever eighty euros per hour, and if you're a guy in India, it's eighty rupees per hour. That that kind of difference that we that we're talking about. So we we don't want to get into the the manpower uh, arbitrage, labor arbitrage based business. I mean that's really not what we wanted to. We want to be able to use labor labor cost differential as a factor to improve, increase our profits, but to be able to sell products at market prices, or redefine the market uh, to take it away from others if needed. Yeah, uh, absolutely. So thank you very much for coming on the show. It was great talking to you. Thanks so much. Thank you, NP. And uh, yeah, for those who are listening, it's Xseed spelled with an S E X S E E D. We I just saw you know, there was some article published which uh, on the cover misspelled the company's name. But uh, thank you so much, uh, NP yourself. You've been a, a networking maven in this nascent space industry. Seem to know everybody and everyone. I uh, am thankful for this opportunity and all the best to you and your company too, man. As a final note to this episode, Exceed Space is now called as Satellites and they have now partnered with ISRO to host 10 experiments on the PSLV's upper stage where 10 universities will get an opportunity to fly their payloads in collaboration with ISRO. Thank you for staying until the end. If you have any comments or suggestions, please write to curator at newspaceindia.com. Please consider sharing this episode with any friends or family who may be interested in learning about India's space activities. If you would like to stay in touch with the New Space India community, please use the link in the description to join the New Space India Telegram group. Feel free to also suggest guests for any future episodes. A new episode of the New Space India podcast is released every other Friday. Do subscribe to the podcast using Apple, Google or any other podcasting platforms you may use.